It's been over eight long months since Russia invaded Ukraine. And now with more than 12 million refugees and another 7 million displaced within the country, the war shows no sign of stopping as we begin to enter a long, harsh winter. What hope is there? I'm Charles Morris, and this is The Great Stories Podcast. And in this episode, I want to share with you two conversations that I had with people who are serving Ukraine and also serving the many who have fled with the love of Jesus. First, we're going to hear from Mission Eurasia's Sergei Rikuba, who you might remember mobilized volunteers in and around Ukraine to deliver thousands of meal boxes. And on this podcast, he shares with me some miraculous stories from Ukraine and how God's kingdom is advancing even in the midst of this war. And we'll also hear about how you can help provide Christmas boxes to displaced children throughout Eastern Europe from Ukraine. After that, you'll meet Dr. Viktor Aktorov. He's the director of Far East Broadcasting in Eurasia, and he updates us about how the Ukrainian government has given them radio stations, and the opportunity to share the gospel has increased during the war. I can't wait for you to hear from both of these men. So let's get started. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, and we are going to have a revisit that I think is very significant. It's been far too long since we went back to Ukraine. We talked about what's going on there now. Uh, Probably seven months ago, we were there when the war broke out. We were broadcasting for two weeks uh, from that troubled part of the world. And the one person who made that possible for us is the president of Mission Eurasia, who himself was born Ukrainian, later came to the United States, went to Moody Bible Institute. Uh, My brother in Christ, Sergei Rikuba, thank you for joining me again today. Well, thank you so much, Charles. And it's such a privilege to be on your show again. And, you know, remember those days we traveled together when the war just broke out. Uh, you were uh, broadcasting right from there, from the border, mm. Mm. Uh, when we've seen thousands and thousands of Ukrainian refugees were pouring into Poland. And your listeners, this uh, wonderful partnership you guys made sets a huge, huge difference, providing resources that we continue using, providing food and shelter for all those who are suffering, running from the war in Ukraine. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk about making a Christmas for Ukrainian refugee children. But before we get to that, so much has happened. You know, four provinces have now been, just in the past two weeks, been delegated by President Putin as being part of Russia, even though nobody there wanted to be part of Russia. But so much has changed. The drones coming in in swarms uh, from Iran, but painted over with Russian insignia. The electrical grid is being purposefully destroyed. Let's just talk about what you're hearing now. And, and of course, you're back and forth between Ukraine and the United States. You've got ministry that's kept going, and the gospel is still going forward, too. Kind of Bring us up to date. Give us give us news that we might not be 
watching on TV or read on the internet? Yeah, we don't see a lot on TV what's actually happening in Ukraine today, eight months later since Russia invaded uh, Ukraine. And a lot's happening. You know, everybody was just thinking it will take a few days, Russia will take over, uh, Ukraine will destroy us all, kind of uh, infrastructure will place their own government in place and it's all will be done. But Putin's plan to denazify Ukraine, that's how he called that uh, special operation, will be over. But the leadership of Ukraine, the uh, uh, political leaders, you know, like President Zelensky and his cabinet, they stood up and said, no way, you know, we are not leaving, we're not giving up, and our people will stand up against this invasion. The church stood up, you know, so and mobilized, you know, all uh, economical, whatever was available for Ukrainians, all army uh, resources, but spiritual resources as well. And they continue standing against of that uh, 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 aggression against Ukraine. As of yesterday, the United Nations reports that there are over 21 million of uh, uh, Ukrainians uh, uh, got shifted or displaced. Mm. Out of 37 million population, 21 million, that's exactly mm. uh, about over two thirds of the entire population. The most tragic segment of this uh, big crisis, that's the children. Mm. They yes. say that all the refugees that moved into neighboring countries because of the martial law, men have to stay to fight, but uh, women and children are crossing the border into neighboring countries. So they report estimating that about half of the entire children population of Ukraine are refugees or displaced. That means they lost their communities, they lost their homes, they lost the coziness of their rooms, you know, so their community, you know, and many of them, they lost their loved ones. So when the winter, harsh winter is coming, you know, so these people basically find themselves without source of heat. President Zelensky last night announced over 30% of all uh, Ukrainian power supplying sources being destroyed mm. deliberately by mm. those drones uh, that fly from all over, you know, so those occupied territories uh, that Russia took over from Russia itself and deliberately hitting those power sources. So demoralizing Ukrainian population uh, when the winter is coming. So that's a bit of the political picture of what's going on right now. Let's turn the page now, Sergei. You and your ministry, which when I first met you 25 years ago, it was called Russian Ministries, but you were serving all of the old Soviet Union, and you were already equipped and working through hundreds of churches in Ukraine. Let's talk about what Mission Eurasia, which is what your name is today, Let's talk about what you're doing. Uh, but first, any thoughts on the spiritual movements going on in the country? And then let's talk specifically about what Mission Eurasia is doing. So the spiritual front. 
Yeah, uh, as I already mentioned, uh, Charles, the church became the leading spiritual force in the midst of this crisis. And the church is shining, you know, in the midst of the war, you know, arising from the ashes of all the war destructions. And, you know, we can report, you know, community after community. If there is a church there, the leadership steps up and provides all the help that community needs, either a shelter, you know, food, uh, you know, other counseling services. So the churches became those spiritual hubs for refugees that are looking for support in the midst of this war, in the midst of the crisis. And we get reports, Charles. So when people are looking for safe place, many are leaving lots of people that stay there in those half-destroyed communities, giving their lives to Christ, mm. seeing mm. how the church is ministering in a very practical way, bringing the gospel, you know, in the midst of their tragedy. And we get reports this all summer, you know, so the churches baptize new believers, you know, a lot more than they've done a few years prior to this war. So we see that awakening there in the midst of this uh, uh, unbelievable uh, crisis and tragedy. And people are leaning onto God mm. and uh, working with churches. We don't want to equip, empower them to continue bringing the gospel to them when they are in so much need. And you're working through evangelical, Bible-believing churches you and I talk on the phone every few days, even though we're not uh, together there in the war zone. But um, one of the things you've told me, that even the predominant Ukrainian Orthodox people who have come out of that background, they know the Lord's Prayer, uh, they, they can uh, recite the Apostles' Creed, but they've never read Bibles before. I'll never forget your telling me, they're starting to read Bibles now. They want to read God's Word. They're finding their way to the gospel. Do you think, is that still going on? It's going and even more. The Bible is more on demand in Ukraine today than ever before. And we print hundreds and thousands of copies, you know, so that are available when churches continue ministering to the refugees and displaced. And I'm telling you so that today, in the midst of the war, churches copyright, you know, a lot more than ever, you know, so they were able to do it, you know, prior to war. And we see even Orthodox and Evangelicals, Protestants and Catholics, you know, working together now, providing help, ministering to people who are in need. Hmm. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today, and you're listening to Sergei Rukuba. He's the president of Mission Eurasia. They're the most active organization I know of that's operating in Ukraine in the name of Jesus Christ and making a difference. Sergei, I was there with you when the war broke out. It was cold. I kept saying on the air, it's spitting snow. <laughs> Even in my heavy winter coat that I don't normally have to wear on the west coast of the United States, I was cold. And um, Christmas is coming. There are all these refugee children. What are you doing to try to help meet the needs? And by that, I also include the spiritual needs of young children. 
thank you, Charles. It's a very good question. You know, what mission Eurasia is doing in order to meet the needs of thousands and thousands of needy uh, Ukrainian refugee children that run from this war. The tragedy is enormous. Uh, after we parted our ways there at the uh, border uh, between Ukraine and Poland back in March, it was a chilly, it was cold day. Uh, so I remember I went to uh, another checkpoint uh, near Moldova and was standing, you know, watching, you know, so the streams of refugee families, mostly women, you know, carrying their children, you know, mm -hmm. pushing their strollers with babies were crossing the border. One lady, she was just dragging two little boys with her. She mm. was carrying a huge backpack. Mm. And uh, so she stopped. I came and I asked if I could help. Her tears were just streaming down on her street. Her boys were screaming, turning back to the gate of the checkpoint. And the older one, his name was Semi. And he was just screaming, Mama, Mama, tell me, is Daddy going to come or not? Oh. His Daddy oh. said goodbye right behind that, day, that gate. Went back to his city of Kherson. We've heard the name of the city where he was a pastor leading the church congregation, leading his community. That semi, he was holding a blanket, just uh, kind of pressing to his chest. And mama was looking at him and saying, Stoma, Tomachka, help is coming. You will see your mm -hmm. daddy soon. We don't know if Sammy ever saw his daddy. But mm -hmm. these children, they will be facing Christmas this year, somewhere in a shelter, somewhere possibly in a hospital house of Polish citizens, Moldova or other countries. But Christmas is coming and the harsh Ukrainian winter is bringing its reality to them. We want these children to have good Christmas. And that's what Mission Eurasia is doing now. We're trying to raise enough resources to provide 100,000 Christmas boxes, gifts of hope, and delivering place into the hands of these children. To trying to put, you know, so a smile back into their face. Mm -hmm. They will not have anything if we didn't bring that gift. Tell me what's in a box. Uh, what's coming in the we printing boxes right there in country, uh, you know, so we have good partners, you know, we're able to arrange printing and this empty boxes will be filled with good things that kids love. We raise resources here in America or Canada. And uh, so we buy things on bulk there and hundreds of churches. We've developed a very good relationship partnership and their volunteers will be packing those boxes right there in country. And so what goes into those boxes, you know, things that kids love, things that they will enjoy at their Christmas uh, holiday. And that's a toy, sweets, you know, uh, there will be mittens, you know, and a warm hat. There will be pencils, you know, and some school supplies, you know, in it so that kids can, these boys and girls can enjoy. But the most important, Charles, we add a good, colorful Bible to that gift that makes it the gift of hope. Mm 
so that uh, you know so this is for their spiritual comfort you know so that they can learn about hope in jesus and hundred thousand of this christmas gifts we're planning to pack and deliver right at the christmas time because we do this all in the country we don't have to ship it we don't right. have to go through all the customs clearance bureaucracies and all other uh, barriers. There wouldn't be time to do that. And and I know th there are programs that do that that are very effective where the boxes are actually shipped from, say, the U.S. or Canada and go in. There isn't time for that. It's impossible. But you already have this network of evangelical churches with people trained to pack these boxes you're just sending the funds in, and your team that's already in place will make this happen, right? Yes, that's correct. You know, and we buy things in bulk there. We even, you know, impact the local economy there, and especially in a time of crisis, this is one of the important components as well. And one thing I should add: half of these children's Bibles that you're sending in every box is. Sally Lloyd-Jones and the Jesus Storybook Bible that we've had on our program many, many times, including this past summer when we first introduced that, the most popular children's Bible in all the world. But you'll be offering it in Ukraine. In the language, in Ukrainian language, these Bibles, uh, the story of Jesus will be included in the Christmas box and the Christmas gift that makes it a gift of hope for a needy child in Ukraine. Hmm. All right, we better pray. Let's pray for a Christmas for refugees, these little children, but it's a Christmas that includes Jesus. And thank you, Sergei, for all you do. Would you lead us in prayer? Absolutely. Lord Jesus, we come to you in the gratefulness of our hearts, so that in the midst of all what's happening in the world, all what's happening in Ukraine, you're still on the throne and you're the main source of hope. Thank you, Father. So that's uh, in our faith, you know, we follow you. And in the midst of the tragedy that is happening in Ukraine, so many of your followers, faithful ambassadors of the gospel, they continue preaching your gospel, the gospel of love and gospel of hope to tens of thousands of those who are in such a deep need because of this war. We especially pray for children of this war, Father, for millions of Ukrainian displaced and refugee children that lost literally all. And facing this coming harsh winter. We want them to uh, have a moment of joy so when we will be able to come to their place with a gift of hope and placing that Christmas gift into their hands, share the greatest story of all, the story when you came to this earth, Father, that you came as the main source of hope so the children can come to knowledge of you, Father, and in their faith, embracing you and hope in you can continue on their lives when they are continue living where they are. So, Father, we 
pray for children of Ukraine. We pray for that they will have good Christmas when we can bring them these gifts. But we also pray for resources, Father. So much resources needed to make this gift of hope project for Ukrainian children, Ukrainian refugee children uh, possible. And I pray for all the supporters that are making their decisions now to make a generous gift to enable Mission Eurasia and our national staff on the ground in Ukraine and churches to be able to bring this gift uh, to the children of Ukraine. So Enola pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sergei Rakuba, what a brother you are in the Lord. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's good to have you on again. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. This is Haven Today, and all week we're returning to Ukraine, the war that's been going on for many months now. And I wanted us to rejoin someone who is from that part of the world and to catch up with what a sister organization to Haven Ministries is doing, Far East Broadcasting, FEBC. Victor Aktorov is the director of Eurasia for Far East Broadcasting, and Victor, You've been with us before on the program. Thank you for joining us again. It's good to be here, Charles. And, you know, the last time, maybe, that we had you on, just before the war broke out, we had one of your broadcasters from Ukraine, one of your broadcasters in Russia, St. Petersburg, and then it was not too many days, like one week later, the war broke out, after all. Everything has changed. What's happening to you broadcasting the gospel now in Russia, but also in Ukraine and the rest of Eastern Europe? Just kind of fill us in. Yeah, if I can give you an overview, I can tell you this has been a time of miracles for us. Uh, it is amazing to see how God is working in the midst of all this pain and bloodshed and um confusion and lies and death and um there's so much life that is uh new life that is coming up in in all of this it is it is amazing for me to see in this few months we started two of our biggest stations in ukraine one is in zaporizhia which is everybody's talking about zaporizhia because that's where the nuclear station is mm. and nobody knows what's what's going to happen and one um recently we started broadcasting in kiev the capital of ukraine which is a dream come true of course we never dreamt that that um, it would come in such difficult circumstances well hold on just a minute yes. you you just said something very significant when we had you on the air the last time, you were talking about all these stations, Christian stations that FEBC has across Ukraine. One place was missing. You had no station in Kiev. Yes. How did that happen? How did you get into the capital after the war started? I wish, Charles, I could tell you, um, but 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 God had intervened. It is it is truly. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, 
even a little bit. It is so amazing for us to see how in the midst of all of this, uh, we get the opportunity to start broadcasting. It was a temporary kind of provision. And then they said, you know, we see what effect the station is having on the city. And before even time came, because they gave us and gave it to us for until the new year. And even before the new year, they said, no, you can have it for the entire year. It is so wonderful to see how God is working through uh, the radio broadcast and non-believers and the government sees that. And uh, they are amazed that they're saying, you, you provide such power of life. People who are not Christians, people who are in military, uh, people uh, who are civic uh, authorities they're saying there's something real something powerful something good something kind is coming from your station and you know they might say we are christians too you know being orthodox but but they never heard such power of the gospel how it, it is changing hearts throughout the city of caves one life at a time yeah yeah oh my goodness this is this is uh glad i'm sitting down as we talk to you, Victor, because uh, this is significant, I think. And uh, as the war goes on, uh, the threat is out there of a dam bursting, of uh, a dirty bomb. Uh, you are ethnically Russian, raised in Ukraine. What's happening, not just with the politics on both sides, What's happening with the gospel in Ukraine today because of the war? What are you hearing? You know, we uh, receive so many calls now. Uh, now we have these news stations. And of course, we have a huge online presence. Uh, millions of people, not thousands, but millions of Ukrainians are listening to us online. And so many of them are responding. And uh, just before the war, we put together a group of counselors because, because we had so many calls coming in. And now we had to double this group of counselors. And we, uh, we are calling them evangelistic counselors because we are not into psychology, we are into sharing Christ. But mm. people are calling with all kinds of issues fear uh, what's going to happen to my family what's going to happen to uh, to my husband who is fighting and about 10 percent of the calls that come in uh, are coming in from children and mm. you can imagine how difficult it is to to handle those questions it is amazing we are trying to analyze and see what what god is doing because there are thousands of calls and, and we want to kind of have a bigger picture and see and see you know what we need to do differently how we can respond in a more effective way and we uh, we were looking into what children are asking and uh, when we start sharing the message of grace with them they're just blown away they've never heard mm. this before mm. when we talk about unconditional love that jesus loves you one one uh, girl was calling us and said you know, uh, so many people are dying around me. She's 13. And she said, I'm afraid of death for one specific reason. She said, because somebody told me when, when I come to heaven, God will see how many good deeds I did and how many bad deeds I did. Mm. And and when our counselor said, no, 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 this is not who Jesus is. Jesus loves you no matter what. And she said, can, can you say it again? Jesus loves me no matter mm. what. Mm. 
And then she started screaming and, and we were going, what's going on? She's like, Sveta, Sveta. And she's calling her little sister. Hey, listen, they're saying that Jesus loves us no matter what. No matter what, no matter what. And it is so amazing. So many calls like that when you just share a simple message about the love of Jesus. And people who are surrounded by horror of war get so excited about his love. Uh, and Charles, it is so refreshing to hear that, to see that happening. I'm I'm just um, thankful to God for uh, what he's doing today in Ukraine. I knew you were going to bring a tear to my eye. You brought more than one tear. Victor Akhtarov is the director of Eurasia for Far East Broadcasting, FEBC, and he's on with us today uh, telling us what's been going on in Ukraine and not just the latest reports on the war, but the real war that's being fought, the spiritual war that's being fought that we can't see through human eyes and yet, when I hear you speak, Victor, God's still in control. Christ is being made known, just like with that young girl learning that Jesus loves her. And uh, you see any other signs that people are coming to faith in Christ as a result of a war going on in Eastern Europe? Yeah, uh, thousands uh, of uh, people are accepting Christ. And we're so glad that God brought such such a wonderful team of counselors who are accepting these calls and leading people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is it is great to see that. So that, that's where we see the majority of conversions when people are calling in. But we also go to the people who are suffering the most. We have in particular one uh, missionary, one person who goes to the most dangerous parts uh, of Ukraine, where the to, to the front lines, and he's a musician. Uh, he has a saxophone, uh, and he plays mm. music to mm. the soldiers. And mm. if you can imagine, um, you know, it's raining, uh, it's dark. Uh, they cannot use lights, uh, and he's playing gospel songs to them. Mm. And those, you know, grown men who are tough guys. Just start crying, just start asking for prayer, just start confessing their sins one after another. He said to me once, I said, you know what, Victor, I, I don't know how many strong, great soldiers been just crying on my shoulder, mm. asking me to pray for them, asking me how can I be connected to Jesus the way you are. And they are not using religious language. They've never heard about accepting Christ. How can I be connected to Jesus? How can I have this, what you have? Um, he was saying to me at one point, we just, you know, he started sharing that. And he said, well, you need to pray. And these seven or eight men said, well, let, let, let's pray. And right there uh, on the ground, not even going inside the tent, they knelt down and started praying. And each of them was praying in, you know, language, then you only how Jesus, hello, uh, you're there. Mm. I might not live tomorrow. Uh, talk to me, please. Be mm. my this kind, those kinds of prayers. Sincerely, uh, without any religious trappings put on top of that, they were just opening their hearts to yeah. Jesus and, and meeting so him for many, the first So time. many stories like that. If you want to know a little bit more about what FEBC is doing, they have stories and background. You can even help. Just go to febc.org. I'll say it one more time so you don't have to, Victor. febc.org. 
and this is a sister organization of Haven Ministries. We've got history that goes back 75 years together, and um, I don't think it gets better than that in today's world, at least. Victor, we've talked about Ukraine. Talk a little bit about Russia and your work in Russia. That hasn't been able to continue as it had been going before the war, or at least that's my understanding. Do you mind filling us in? Well, Charles, in a way, we are we are still doing the same thing that, that we were doing. And, you know, when, when they closed down our stations a few years ago, we were kind of thinking, God, what, what are you doing? Why is this happening? And now we see that, you know, those were the steps where God prepared us um, to go and use multiple channels online. So we are almost invisible to the Russian government. And we are reaching millions of people, millions of Russian people today, uh, using so many different channels uh, on the internet. It is it is amazing to see how people are responding, uh, and and it is, you know, the time of darkness in Russia. So many lies. You you want? I, I lived in the Soviet times, Charles, and I, I remember the lies of the Soviet government. It was that they were just children comparing to what's going on today in Russia. They, so much hate, so much um, lying. Um, just the other day, one of the one of the guys on TV was saying, "Well, what you need to do is is just take Ukrainian babies and just um, drown them in the water, uh, just mm. just like that, just like that." Mm. On national national TV. Mm. So you know, it's kind of unthinkable what's going on. So people are really tired, really scared. Remember, the last time uh, one one broadcaster, uh, one of our leaders in Russia, was was on uh, on on the program. Today he's he's hiding. He can be drafted tomorrow. Uh, he of course doesn't want to go to to this senseless war, and uh, it is uh, the whole country is in a state of fear. So people are looking for something real, something that's true, something that's not full of lies. And when they start listening to us, and we get so many testimonies like that, people are saying, this is real. You're not lying to us. You're talking about real stuff, stuff that we feel inside us. When, when we are scared, we want something that's stable in our spiritual world. And so many uh, of our Russian listeners who maybe listened to us for many months are now becoming Christians, now becoming believers. And uh, under all of this, everybody hates Russia, of course, understandably, but under all of this uh, darkness, uh, God is saving people left and right throughout this big country of Russia. Thank you for sharing what's happening in Russia and not just in Ukraine. Victor, let me ask you as well, tell us a little bit about the people that are working for FEBC on both sides of the border, all part of the old Soviet Union. Yeah, definitely. In, in, in Ukraine, we, we have an amazing team, um, young people who, uh, who are doing uh, evangelism uh, on the streets uh, at night and talk shows in the morning inviting people, non-Christians, to the studio and, and just doing broadcasts with them. And uh, very often I, I talk to them and at night they're just exhausted, you know, because they don't sleep well, because they hear the sirens. And and then during the morning show, they're a bit, they're full 
of Christ in them. They are sharing the gospel with people. It is amazing to see how how the Lord is using using uh, our people. And some of the pastors, like Pastor Sergei, uh, he is just just amazing. Uh, we prayed together. It was his birthday just uh, yesterday, and we we were talking. And uh, uh, I was saying, Sergei, how how are you doing? And he said, you know what? If it wasn't for God, uh, I don't know even how I would be surviving right now. But He is leading so many people to Christ. It is it is mind boggling to uh, to see how in such a crisis, God is using them. One of our ladies, who is the head of our team of counselors, um, she almost died twice in two days. The rocket destroyed mm. her house, and mm. then her sister's house, where where she stayed the next night. And she's saying, well, it feels like I was, you know, kind of born again twice uh, in, in, in a couple of days. And we were talking and I was, you know, counseling her a little bit and trying uh, her to just take some time to rest. And she said, okay, I'll take a week to rest. Uh, but then I need to get back to the counseling of uh, of, of people because... Now I know what millions of people are going through, being so close to to dying, and uh, and then not knowing, you know, where the answer is. What do you do with that knowledge that you are mortal without Jesus? She says, "I know where I'm going if I die tomorrow," and millions of Ukrainians don't. So we have wonderful people like that, and um, of course in Russia as well. Uh, one of our people. Uh, was receiving multiple, multiple specific death threats uh, from uh, from people just just for the fact that he, on behalf of Russian people, apologized to Ukrainians for Russians doing, you know, uh, having this war, and at the same time, so much hate is coming towards him, and so much love from people who are listening to the gospel message and becoming Christians. So, so it's very difficult and very exciting at the same time. Mm. Victor, why don't you offer ways, how can anybody listening to us right now pray? How can they make a difference? Well, I I always ask people to pray for uh, our broadcasters and our counselors because uh, they are doing so much for the Lord every day and it is exhausting. And uh, so please pray for their safety and specifically pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be in their lives daily, uh, because that's what they need to survive and to serve. And when I talk to them, when I talk to, to our people and I ask them that question, so what can we pray for? They always tell me, please pray for our listeners. Please pray for our mm. listeners so they can open their hearts and accept Jesus. So for those two things, pray for our broadcasters and please pray for our listeners. Our time is just about up. But there were two things I wanted us to do, Victor. First, just before the war broke out, a couple of months, it was Christmas time. Silent Night was being played by musicians from both Russia and Ukraine. I'd like us to hear a little bit of that in light of Christmas coming this year, and it's a bleak Christmas, but would you then lead us in prayer and pray for Ukraine and pray for Russia and pray for Christ to be made known and for the peace of Christ to come upon that land. 
Let's listen. And then, Victor, you pray. Father, we are grateful to you um, for the fact that your soul love these two countries, both Russia and Ukraine, um, the aggressor and the nation that is suffering greatly today. And you love the people of Russia and Ukraine. And uh, as the voice of the gospel is reaching millions of people in both countries, we are asking for your Holy Spirit to be there and help the listeners to open their hearts and accept Christ, accept the gospel, and give their lives to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray for them. Amen. My brother in Christ, Victor Hatchroff with the FEBC, thank you for sharing from your heart with us today on Haven Today. Thank you, Charles. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. And I'm so thankful for Sergei Rakuba and Viktor Akhtarov for joining me today. I also want to give you an opportunity to send hope to the children of Ukraine. Find out more about how you can send Christmas boxes to traumatized and displaced refugee children in Eastern Europe at haventoday.org. Now, if you want to hear more content like this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please help us get the word out by leaving us a five-star review. You can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover additional episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.